when we go through life and we have these situations where we think we're broken or we've been thrown into some sort of typhoon whirlwind, like this is a disaster or how could this happen to me? You've got two options there. You let it take you into a hole and you stay in there or you use it as the driving force to actually take you into something else. No one can go through the discomfort, but you've got to be strong enough to use whatever's happened to you to propel you forward instead of hold you back. Hey everyone, welcome to Interested. I'm your host, Donna Edda. Interested is a result of my curiosity to explore more on our collective wellness wisdom. And that goes from physical to cognitive to emotional health to spirituality. This podcast is my attempt to bring nourishing conversations to help you live a higher quality, more fulfilling life. The Greek philosopher Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. This quote epitomizes in so many ways the life journey of this week's guest, Louise Corbett. Growing up in Australia, Louise always dreamt of being a CEO. She worked hard towards it, working in marketing and communication roles for multinationals that brought her to Dubai, Singapore, and finally Hong Kong. But it was a defining moment when she turned 30 that changed her priorities. She came out of a long-term relationship and started re-examining what was truly important to her. And so when her company made her redundant, she took a leap of faith to pursue her heart's dream. Louise founded Exceptional Existence, and shortly after that, she launched Women Empowered, a network designed to help women find their voice, heal, and pursue inspirational and meaningful lives. In this conversation, Louise shares with us on how to own and love your life. You are here to do something that no one else can. And without further ado, I bring you Louise Corbett. Did understanding this sense of empowerment stem from your childhood? Yeah, so I would say it really has come from the fact that I was raised by two, more so probably three incredible women. So my mother and my two grandmothers. And they were such incredibly strong women, such incredibly strong and loving women. And they gave me so much love. Uh, They completely believed in me and my ability to do anything actually that I would have wanted to do. Everything that I wanted to do, my mother always used to say, you can do anything, you can do anything. And what I realized was I I grew up with a lot of love and looking at very powerful women, but I found that in some instances they couldn't stand up for themselves. And I think that's something that I really noticed in my childhood and I decided that I had the confidence and the love, the self-love and the love to give out to others and especially women because that's where I'm really, really passionate to help them to believe in themselves and sometimes that's really all you need. So was there a person in particular that really inspired you in that sense? Yeah, I think it would pr- it would be my mother. It would be my mother. So I've established uh, an organization called Women Empowered and that was very much in her honor. She passed five years, she passed away five years ago. Um, and when she did, that was when actually I started something called Seeing Sandra, which is her name. Um, and I invited a group of really strong women uh, to be a part of that kind of closed group. And the way I chose the women for that was I thought to myself, if I was in battle and I looked to my left and my right, who would I want to be, want to see standing next to me? And that they that was those women. And then a couple of years after that, it was actually on Mother's Day and I was meditating and I just got a sign and a signal to start to take this out to the the wider world. And so at that point, I put together Women Empowered in her honor. And it's really about seeing the world through her eyes, being kind, being generous, being caring, being loving, but also adding an element of confidence that I just don't think she had. And if she did have, she could have made magic happen in all parts of her life. You've said before that before your 30th birthday was a big turning point Mm -hmm. in how you see your life goals. And that was after a traumatic breakup as well. Could you talk to us about that moment of epiphany? Sure, I can. Um, So I basically, yeah, was in a very long, well, not very long, but long enough, uh, long-term relationship uh, with my partner. And uh, yeah, it was looking to be, I mean, we were talking about the future and absolutely committed to the future. Um, But then I found that he had been dishonest and disloyal. And at that point, I decided there was actually no hesitation. I left straight away. And at that time, I 
my whole life was thrown upside down. Um, but I knew that while he could take everything away from me, so we'd relocated to Singapore together and uh, we were living together and I just basically left and I took my suitcases and my dignity and I left. And I think that that was really important because I thought the only thing he can't take away from me is my soul and my self-belief and self-love unless I give it to him and it's not his to take if he disrespects me so much. So I left, but I left broken. I absolutely left broken and lost and confused and thinking, oh my God, my life is over. But actually what I realized, I had a moment and I remember exactly where I was near Orchard Road in Singapore and I thought to myself, you know what, I've been giving out so much in this relationship and in my past relationships. And I think that's what women do. I've seen that in my workshops and retreats. Women often give love in order to feel it, but actually what they really need to work on is giving it to themselves first so that they can love with substance. And I think that's really, really important. And at that point, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not going to go out and try and find someone to make me feel good about myself because I don't need that. And I'm also also probably going to spend a little bit of time dating myself, looking after myself, thinking about all the things I gave to that relationship and turning it around and giving it back to me. And I also at that point thought there's got to be more to love and intimacy than just kind of what you see on the surface. Because if that's the case, then it is so easy for humans to get bored or to look elsewhere or to think that maybe a short-term fling with somebody else is something that will give them some kind of hit. But actually on the other side of that, it's usually quite empty. And so at that point, what I did was decide to, as I said, look at myself, love myself, take care of myself, myself for a while, stop caring about what my partner perhaps or my ex-partner perhaps was doing or the, you know, he, anything, not worrying about that and starting to just look at me and start to work and love, work on and love me. And as a result of that, I actually ended up on a holiday a solo trip, which was something that I was terrified of doing. Um, but I went to travel on my own because I think sometimes when you go through these situations and you feel like you're on the floor, it's actually probably better to replace fear of something that you've wanted to do for some time, but you're a bit scared of than actually having to continue to go through the pain of what you've just experienced. So at that point I was like, right, let's do something that, you know, I'm afraid of. And that was traveling on my own. And I ended up in Ubud, it's one of my favorite places in the whole world. And I ended up there and I I just basically went to love and look after myself. And I met somebody there that actually really changed my perception of sexuality, intimacy and love and really was the catalyst for me to start to do this work for women. So Women Empowered has three pillars, financial, physical and emotional empowerment of women. And um that was really the catalyst. And I think when we go through life and we have these situations where we think we're broken or we've been thrown into some sort of typhoon whirlwind, like this is a disaster or how could this happen to me? You've got two options there. You let it take you into a hole and you stay in there or you use it as the driving force to actually take you into something else because life will never give us something that we're not ready for. And it's your, it's your, no one can go through the discomfort, but you've got to be strong enough to use whatever's happened to you to propel you forward instead of hold you back. Bringing your story back to your everyday life. So you were a successful female corporate executive yeah. and, you know, you were living the life. Did you feel empowered in your workplace? I absolutely felt empowered. So I think um, there, I've been very, very lucky throughout my career in terms of just being, um, I guess, respected and heard. Uh, and also, I was never a victim of Me Too. None, none of the none. Of, I never really understood that word, which world, which is also why we don't talk about it so much at Women Empowered. Because I certainly don't want to start to talk about something that I can't absolutely relate to and understand. Um, and I was, yeah, I, I feel like I was very, very lucky and blessed in that way. And I would encourage any women out there that are listening that have that experience or find themselves in a place of privilege uh, within an organization where they have established themselves and they feel confident in that role to look at what it is that they can do for other women that perhaps don't have that confidence um, and don't believe in themselves and feel like perhaps they don't have a voice in whatever environment they find themselves in. Because I was actually in a meeting yesterday and we were talking about the fact that sometimes when women do rise to the top, they close the door behind them. Uh, and that 
is unfortunately the situation that does happen. And sometimes that happens because a woman thinks, well, you know, she had to live in a man's world and become almost masculine in nature in order to move forward. Um, but I would say that there's an opportunity in that to actually turn around and change the game and be like, well, I'm here now. And perhaps I felt some periods of discomfort because I couldn't be my feminine self. And I really believe that even if women don't believe that they've sacrificed themselves in some way to be living in a masculine world and and develop and execute on masculine traits – they, they don't believe they've sacrificed anything, but I actually believe that they do, they have because there is a feminine self within them. And I think with my women's retreats and in dance, I find that a lot of women that have kind of gone on in their life and in their career, they've kind of turned around and they're like, you know what? I want to be a woman. I want to wear dresses. I want to dance. I want to be led in a dance. I want to follow in a dance. I want to feel like a woman and I want to wear a flowy dress and I want to put flowers in my hair. And they do, I really believe that most women do want to find their feminine self and there's nothing wrong with that. It is. I remember you talk about a lot of women go to a workplace, they leave the other part of themselves behind, yes. right? And can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, so I've, I've done a platform, a sexuality, intimacy and love platform, online platform, um, and it's a series of interviews. And there was a woman that I'd met in Bali and she was incredibly interesting. And she was talking about how she used to be an accountant and then she became a healer. And what she found was that often women in order to survive in the workplace, they are masculine. Um, and that's often, I mean, people may have heard of something called the 30% club. And they say that until you get uh, the numbers past 30%, so until you get past 30% of women in an organization or on a board, for example, then generally they're going to act like the majority. So once you hit that 30% or 31% mark, then women start to be more feminine versus having to conform with the majority. And it kind of just can happen in that way. What is the effect of a woman who feels like she needs to be more masculine in the workplace? Yeah. So that's a really interesting question, Donna. So when I was, I actually developed a platform called the Women Empowered Sexuality and Intimacy and Love Platform. And that's a whole series of interviews with experts from across the world. And the reason I did that was because I was running events here in Hong Kong and they were the ones based around sexuality that were always sold out. I had women begging to get in, women on waiting lists. At one event in Hong Kong, we had women sitting on tables because I had no chairs left. And I thought to myself, you know, this sexuality thing is really, really, it's something, it's interesting because it's something people think about a lot, but they really don't talk about a lot. And so because of that, it leaks out in unhealthy ways. And so I thought, you know what, there are so many more experts around the world that I want to bring forward to women that are inside and outside of Hong Kong. And I developed this, this platform. And on this platform, I featured a woman that is based in Bali, but she's actually from Poland and she was a, an accountant. So she's very much in the corporate world. Um, and now she's a healer and she actually found that she burnt out and she had found that during her career, she was very masculine and she felt like she needed to be masculine in order to be heard and to be seen. So at that point when she was sort of transitioning out of her career, she got to that point and some listeners can maybe relate to this where she was like, you know what? I don't really care who I am anymore because I'm on the way out. And at that point she almost became more of herself. And I think sometimes we find that we shine through in situations where we don't really care. And sometimes that's really the best way to be. Anyway, we should have been like that a long time ago. So she was talking about how she became more feminine in her workplace. And actually she found that she had more success in that. And what she also said was now that she works with people around the world, she sees that what happens is that if a woman has to actually take her masculine self to work, it's going to be very hard for her to leave the office and just shed that. So she'll probably take it home. And then she's going to be masculine in her relationships and that's going to affect her life at home. And then what will happen in the long term is that she will burn out. And why? Because she's fighting against who she is. That is so true. And it's exactly what you always say, that women show up in the workplace and live the other part of themselves at home. Absolutely. Right? And not just being fully themselves. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's absolutely, I think that seeing in the workplace, sometimes women can be too masculine 
Or perhaps sometimes women can feel like they can use their sexuality to get themselves to move themselves forward. And it's a reality. And we need to talk about these issues. And I think both sides of the coin are dangerous. And I think that there is a beautiful place in the middle where a woman can be strong. She can be feminine, but she doesn't need to be masculine in her way, in her in her approach. She will be heard and she certainly doesn't need to bring her sexual side forward to move herself forward in any way in her career. She can do that on her own, just in her strong feminine self. I want to go back a little bit to what you said before, when women who are in a high position, in a privileged position, and they should open the door for others and not shut it behind them. What are some of the examples? What are some of the things that they can do to provide a more healthy environment? Yeah, so with a lot of the work that I do with organizations around gender diversity and empowering women, um, I find that really the issue is with middle management. So there's need for them to be engaged. And I think if a woman has risen to the top, then she has power. She has a voice and she has influence. And it would be a shame if she didn't use it to help women to rise further. And I think also I was at an event um, not long ago that was organized by Swire and um, there was an incredible woman speaking and she was saying that she did think when she rose to the top that she needed to close the door behind her because she felt as though there wasn't many spaces for women or there weren't many seats for women and she needed to close the door so that she could stay in her seat. But I think actually it shows incredible strength if a woman can look around and say, you know what, maybe my journey wasn't so easy and I want it to be easier for women that come behind. And I think making sure that middle management is engaged, really, really important because often you have a lot of really enthusiastic people at the lower levels of an organization, you know, bright eyed thinking this is great. Yes, I want to be a part of empowering women and gender diversity and LGBT and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But then it stops at the middle level. And I think also the other thing that organizations need to do is make sure that diversity is something that actually isn't just given as a side project to somebody that's got a passion about it. But then when work gets real, they have to leave behind. And I think that if a woman is at the top and she's risen there and it maybe hasn't been the easiest journey, she needs to acknowledge that that was her time. That was the way that the environment was when she was going through her career and now it's easier and the world is listening and I think women really have a platform and there are a lot of men out there right now that feel discriminated against as well because they think that actually that seat on the board probably should have been them but because of a quota it didn't go to them and I think that that is another thing that they need to acknowledge. They need to acknowledge that for many years they were they rose up the ranks and up the ladder in a place of privilege where they were given opportunities and now it's time for them to actually actually continue to, you know, I don't believe, I've never believed that a woman should be given something if she doesn't deserve it. I really, because I think that's a dangerous ground to stand on because then all of a sudden women aren't seen for how wonderful they are and they are wonderful and they are capable. So I think it's really, really important for everyone just to acknowledge where they are. Don't fight and resist the world that we find ourselves in now, but look at the opportunities. Look at the fact that women are being recognized and take that opportunity to own that space and pull women up. Can you expand on what does an engaging middle management look like? So look at middle management and put gender equality into their KPIs. What's the KPI? Oh, key performance indicators. So that basically a KPI, great question, Donna, a KPI means bonus. So if you don't meet your key performance indicators, then generally you don't get money at the end of the year or you won't get as much money. So at the end of the year in an organization, you basically go through your performance. You will comment to your manager as to how you've achieved the goals that have been set out at the beginning of the year. And if you incorporate gender diversity and making sure that you've got more of a gender diverse team or organization below you into those goals, then if you don't meet those goals, then that affects your bonus. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what we need to make things move. And I think also the communications team, because that is my background, has a big place uh, part to play in this. So a lot of organizations are doing a lot of great work around diversity, but they don't talk about it. And when you don't talk about it, people won't know what's happening. But it's okay. I think sometimes organizations do good things and they feel as though they don't have the right to talk about it. There's a lot of organizations out there that are doing nothing and have the finances and the resources to do a lot. So if you are, then you have the right to talk about it because in doing that, you'll probably inspire others 
to start to do the same. Why don't they talk about it? Because I think sometimes they think, oh, it looks like, you know, we're doing good and maybe we should just do good and not talk about it. Or unfortunately, the communications team in organizations don't see the importance of it. So there's sometimes, you know, business will get in the way and it'll be more important to do so, some work that's sort of outward facing that the customer or the client can see. And so we don't think that actually talking about our diversity efforts is important within internal, like internally in organizations. And I think as a comms consultant, that's what I see a lot, a communications consultant, a lot of people just don't see the value of internal communications in general. And I feel like when you do that, I always say, if you don't have internal communications right, then it would be like telling your staff to meet you in a park, but not telling them how to get there versus if you do have it right, you're telling your staff to meet you in a park and here's Google Maps. They'll get there a lot faster and they'll know exactly how to get there. In instances where women feel less than, how much of it is due to the patriarchal structure of the society versus the, the negative self-talk that women have? The way that the world is now, now is a reality and I think that we are very, very lucky to be living at this point in time in history where the world is waking up to the power of women. Uh, you know, quotas are being put in place and a lot of people think, oh, you know, quotas aren't a great idea. Well, unfortunately, until we can actually really start to to move the needle, then that's what we probably need to do. And we need to incorporate it into key performance indicators, tie it to bonuses so that we can actually see things move and the world change. And I think that those sorts of things, it's important to have conversations around them. I think what we also need to make sure we put time into doing is look at what a woman can bring an organization. So, uh, you know, McKinsey have done a fantastic report called The Power of Parity, and they look at the fact if organizations aren't more gender equal, then they're leaving billions of dollars on the table. So when we start to tie it to the P&L, then people will start to listen. So I think it's definitely important to look at the issues and put numbers and figures behind that. But I think it's also really important to look at what women do really well, for example, women focus more on they really, they're programmed to think about family and community. Uh, they're also, and my background, a past life was in insurance, and I know that women in M&A and underwriting risk in, in mergers and acquisitions, women are better at it because they have this gut feeling about risk and they start to look at it and they think something about this deal just doesn't feel right. So looking at those things, looking at the strengths that women bring an organization, the fact that, you know, they often come to the table and they make statements backed on, backed on fact and research and the fact that they do that. And, and I hear that again and again from managers. Male managers say that to me again and again at the C-suite, corporate CEO, COO level. They say, you know, when a woman comes to me, I find that again and again, when she says something, it's backed. It's backed by insight. It's backed by research. And so looking at these things, not looking at, oh, you know, men are bad at that. It's not about that. It's about the fact that there is a strength in women, they do that really well. So let's celebrate that. Let's look at the issues, but also celebrate because when we celebrate, then we want to make change and do great things and develop women and push them forward versus just focusing on the complaining around the situation that is now. Because right now we have that opportunity to complain, but people's, the world's ears are open as to how we can bring more women and push them forward. Do you come across women who are hesitant to step into the spotlight and step up to that role? All the time. Oh, yeah, Donna, I didn't cover your self-belief comment. So, yes, all the time. And I, and because I do talk to a lot of managers about this topic and then also obviously I talk to the women in my retreats and, and events, I hear this all the time. So I hear from managers a lot that often they see that, Women who are 95% capable for a role will not step forward because they think they lack that 5%. But a man who is 10 to 15% capable will believe he's got the role in the bag. So he will put himself forward and be like, I can do this. Now, I don't want, this is not man-hating. I certainly am not a man-hater in any way at all. But we need to look at that and we need to think, okay, I think we need to appreciate that this is actually something that a woman does and say, right, if this is something that a woman will technically and, and often do, then as a manager, I need to make sure that she can see herself, her, like her ability and bring it out in her. 
help her with her confidence, highlight her strengths, show her why she's 95% capable for that role and put her forward for it and then watch her along the way because there will be strengths that she'll have that perhaps a male counterpart won't have, but there are other areas that a manager needs to work on and help her with. And I think that's why also women's networks are really, really powerful and there's an opportunity in organizations to use women's networks to educate women, which I think organizations are doing quite well. But I think one area where it, where organizations really are falling short is in empowering the women to come together, to be vulnerable, and once they break through that vulnerability, to find their strength. And when they can do that within an organization together, what will happen is they will be more confident, they will feel like they belong, they will feel therefore safe. And when people feel safe, they do their best work. And I think that there is an opportunity. Simon Sinek says, you know, organizations have huge opportunities to bring about change in individuals because you have so much of that individual with you all the time, like five days a week, perhaps even more. So you have an opportunity to shape that individual in a really good way. And organizations should be taking advantage of that opportunity because I think when they do, it will only do good things for the organization. And I think so often women do give so much of themselves to their organization, to their families, and they leave very little for themselves. And I think that often women actually will look out, as I said, for love and for gratification and for confidence. confidence and self-belief and self feelings of self-worth. So that's also probably why women feel like they need to do more and they need to work hard and they need to prove themselves because the only way that they can fill up their cup is by that external validation. And so I think when women start to really focus on self-love and self-care, and we will get to this in a little bit because this is something I see on my retreats again and again, that when they do that, they're so full that they have that self-confidence and that self-belief and that self-love to give out or that love to give out to other people instead of having to like find it from external sources because it's just empty then. I'm really looking forward to organizations to embrace this approach. I mean, I have two little girls. Uh, This is the future, right? Absolutely, yeah. What other challenges do they face that is holding them back from from achieving their full potential? In Asia, um, I've lived in Asia now for seven seven years, seven and a half, oh gosh, eight years, gosh, a while, Donna, a while. And I think what at a lot of my events, something I hear again and again is women in the region saying that they wish they were a man. And when I hear that, it's almost like a little part of me dies inside every time because I look at women and I think, wow, how lucky we are to be a woman. It's not the situation that a woman finds herself in. It's not what's happened to her in her life. It's the way she's looking at it. It's the story she's attaching to it, which is why getting together in a circle of women is so incredibly important because especially in Hong Kong, it's such a great place for it to happen because of the diversity of cultures. Therefore, we have such different belief systems because they're generally generated at that younger age. So we've got these different belief systems coming you know, coming into this circle and gathering. And you'll have a woman that's one woman that'll have a certain situation, something that's happened to her. And another woman has had that same exact situation, but the meaning they're giving to that situation is very, very different. And so they live their lives in a very different way. So in one night, a woman can come together in a circle with a whole group of other women, and she can be told a different story from another woman who's going through the same thing. And then she walks out of that room completely different. And looking at things like you are a woman, you have a emotional strength that is incredibly powerful. It's one thing to be physically strong, but emotional strength, when somebody is dying, generally a woman is there because she can deal. She's strong. And you see also like when, when, um, on my retreats, my, my preferred age of woman is like over 50 because she's been through it all. She doesn't really care what people think anymore because she spent too many years caring. She's fun. She's got a lot of different perspectives and she wants to enjoy her life. And so I think you find a lot that when women and, and men are together in their couples and the man passes away, 
a lot of women, and this is a generalization, but women just kind of keep going with life. They find themselves, they find that strength, they go out and they do things, they engage with other women, which is a powerful force in itself. But often when men lose their partners, they actually lose that drive. And again, a generalization, there are many men out there that just keep living and loving life. But women have this incredible emotional strength where they just keep going. And the other thing is women create life and you are the mothers of humankind. You create society. And I look at that and I think to myself, we are powerful. We also have this ability to know when something's not right. We have this innate internal ability. And I heard a, I'm going to, I'm going to bastardize this quote terribly, but it's, it went something along the lines. This woman was saying, because if you ask me if you think I'm a feminist, I don't believe I'm a feminist, but this woman defined a feminist in such a great way that I thought to myself, wait a minute, if that's what a feminist is, I'm a feminist. And it was the idea of a woman who is so in touch with her body and her internal intuition and guidance and that ability to create that she knows who she is and she brings that forward to the world. I think women need to look at themselves and be like, I am amazing. I can create life. I can earn my own money. I can be strong. I can be independent. And now what I need to do, knowing that I have that ability to do that, it's it's dormant, perhaps it's dormant within me, but it's there because it's happening everywhere. Then I just need to work on my self-confidence, my self-belief and my self-love. Because I think that's something that I see when women don't love themselves. And often again, we love out, we give out. But this is, I mean, I'm sure there are so many listeners out there that have heard of this. When those oxygen masks drop in the plane, you're putting your own on first because if you don't have air, you cannot help your little one. The same applies with life. If you don't have that self-love and self-care, how can you give out proper, really good quality love and care and compassion to anybody else? So, Louise, on that note, can you give us some tangible tools for women out there who want to access that self-confidence and self-love and just don't know where to start? You know, they've shifted the mindset. They're ready. Yes. They want it. So what next? Absolutely. So there are some really easy ways to get started, and I think some people don't do it because they think it's so easy, but also that it really costs a lot. I would be meditating every single day. I would be meditating every single day, and that is something that I have done ever since that trip to Ubud. So that is something that I would do without fail. And again, not easy to get into, but once you're in it, life changing costs nothing. You need nothing, but for some reason, not many people do it. So the reason why that is important is because it stills the mind. So the mind is like a drunken monkey bitten by a thousand scorpions or a hundred scorpions, but a lot of scorpions. So basically you need to calm that down because when the mind is calm, the intuition, your inner guide, your inner voice, that inner wisdom that a woman has will speak. And when that speaks, you'll start to listen and act on that wisdom. And from that self-love, self-care, self-belief will immediately come. The other thing I would make sure that you do in a lot of my events, I give women a piece of paper and that piece of paper just has four or five cups drawn on it. Okay. So what you want to do is label every cup. So does it say, is it something like exercise, um, family time, work uh, engagements, maybe something around managing your career because you should manage your own career. Don't wait for somebody else to do it, which is something women do a lot. And then what you want to do is you could just do it in a journal, get a journal on a Sunday night every week and draw five cups and then label the cups, as I mentioned, and then make sure that you have something planned for each cup. And don't forget the self-love, self-care. What are you doing for yourself? Because I hear a lot of women say, for example, they'll say, oh, you know, I really want to go to that yoga class. But I think to myself, I'm working during the week and my little one, like I want to spend time with my little ones. And absolutely, that's so important. But children are more sensitive to your energy than anyone else. And if you can take an hour and a half to get out to yoga, do your class and turn around and come back and walk in that door full with a full cup of love so you can love your children from your saucer, then take the time to do that because they're going to know that mommy's hanging around with them, but she really wants to go to yoga and she feels so self-depleted and without any self-love or self-care for herself. And she's just trying to give from an empty cup. That is really important. So women really finding that time to make sure that every day they give back to themselves, even if it's a practice in the morning of, um, you know, 
waking up, gratitude, which is so important, get a gratitude journal, get a gratitude journal. This applies to men and women as well, actually. This really applies to men and women. Self-love for men is also important. Get a gratitude journal and sit down for 30 seconds or a minute and write what you're grateful for. You will find things. It's more than your family and that breathing, people. It's more than family and breathing. You need to go beyond that because what the reason we do that is because then we start to focus on something that's different. We start to look for things that we're grateful for in our lives. So it's all about not the act of the gratitude journal, which is great and, yes, fabulous if you sit down a decade later and read it back, but it's more about training your brain to focus on something different. So I would say to women, for self-belief and self-love, get that morning practice where you wake up, you put on the Nespresso machine, you pump out an espresso coffee or you make yourself a cup of tea and you take five minutes, five or 10 minutes. If you've got an hour, then fabulous, but five or 10 minutes for you because it's important. And when you start to give yourself that time, you're telling yourself, you're telling the universe, you're telling your intuitive, your intuition that you deserve that time. And then as a result of that, you start to make better choices. And when you start to make better choices, you believe in your ability, you stand up for yourself, you believe that your voice deserves to be heard and your life will start to change. And it's crazy because people might think, well, this is a little bit crazy, Lou, but often women that come to me that maybe have weight issues or they need to make those better choices, I say to them, them, stop focusing on the weight. That's not where the problem is. The weight is the result of you not caring about yourself and not making good choices. Focus on self-love, focus on self-belief, focus on self-care and the weight will drop because you'll make better choices. And that will mean exercise and eating better food. And they're doing it because they love themselves, not because they're torturing themselves. You wouldn't put bad petrol in a Ferrari. So you've got to get to a place where you believe you are a premium vehicle and then you'll feed yourself accordingly. Louise, what is your definition of an empowered woman? So to me, I really identified four things about what an empowered woman is. So firstly, someone who loves and cares for herself so she can love and care for others. Secondly, someone who can stand on her own and consciously stand with another. Thirdly, someone who believes she has options and knows her worth. And lastly, if she is living her purpose and brings meaning and fulfillment to her own life through that while improving the lives of those around her. So can you expand on that and how we can relate to these things and how we can actually start feeling these parts in our lives? So how it is that you can look after yourself and just take small baby steps. And you know what? If there's guilt attached, I think that's something women do very well. We feel guilt. We put, we, we, we create that feeling of guilt for ourselves because it's in the mind and we are the mind and we created the thoughts in the mind so we can change them if we choose, but not always an easy ride. So I I think really taking those small steps just to be like, you know what, I'm worth this. And when you do that, you will walk into the world as a better employee, a better mother, a better partner, a better sister, a better daughter. I actually had a dinner with a group of women and one of those incredible women had said to me that she doesn't have any idea how to be alone. So as a result of that, she just goes from bad relationship to bad relationship. If you work on yourself and you create a really full human, then like attracts like. It's a frequency thing. We attract the same, we attract who and what we are. And often in relationships, they are the toughest mirrors to look into because they are ourselves and they're, and usually relationships and love just so awkward and like uncomfortable and fabulous and terrible at the same time. And so if you can really work on being a full individual and very, very happy, you will attract the same. But if you walk into a relationship or you look for one where you're kind of half yourself or you are trying to find somebody to fill a hole. This is a very dangerous place to be because all you will attract is somebody that's looking for the same. That also can sometimes come up as a mother if they find like they don't have that self-belief and self-confidence in themselves and everything is on the child and giving out on the child, then there's this energetic, really hard energy where it's like, I'm loving you. I'm caring for you. You are love to me. So give it back, give it back, give it back. And that can be terrible for that child when actually in the foundation, it comes from a loving place, but women need to step back and look at what that actually does and how actually self-care and self-love 
opens the door to everything. So even though it comes with some guilt and maybe like, oh, I don't deserve this. Wait a minute. I need to give out. I can't be giving this to myself. It's the best you can, thing you can do for everybody. And so the same with relationships. So if we look at really looking after ourselves and being like, I am, I am good alone. I stand on my own two feet. I am strong. And if somebody walks into my life, then I consciously stand behind them. I'm aware of this relationship and I don't need them to be there, but I want them to be there. And then I guess knows that she has options. So the mantra of Women Empowered is that all women have options. That's what we really, really believe. So we look at empowering women physically, financially, and emotionally because all women have options. And I think that that was something that my mother didn't believe that she had. And so she kind of settled and did things and made sacrifices so that she could make sure that her children were safe and well. And I don't want any woman to believe that. I want every woman to feel empowered and secure in where she is and making her own choices and decisions. And then lastly, just knowing her purpose. And I think you can inspire people. Again, this is this idea of being selfish. So being taking that time to be like, this is who I am. This is what I love. This is where my strengths are. And I'm going to do more of that. And as a result of that, women, many women might think, oh, that's kind of selfish. But actually it's not because in doing that, you inspire the world to do the same. And it's only at that place that I really believe you find abundance across all parts of your life financially, emotionally, physically, everything. Women, what women really need to do is just find the time to really find out who they are and there needs to be space for that. There needs to be quiet time. There needs to be space. There needs to be connection to the body because actually yesterday I read a quote that said, you are not your mind, you are your body. The body never lies. The mind will tell you all kinds of lies. So it's about quieting the mind so you can dive into the body and that's where her wisdom lies and connecting with that so that then she can find out who she is and bring that forward to the world. And listen, I a lot of women are like, yeah, Lou, listen, I've got I've got, I've got children to support. I've got obligations. I can't just leave my job and go and like find myself. And it's not necessarily about that. It's about taking the time out of your day, carving out some time to actually find out who you are, to look after yourself, to love yourself, and then go into the world and be a mother and be an employee and manage a team. But don't sacrifice that time to find out who you are because maybe later on in life, you'll get to a point where you actually find out who that is and you'll regret not bringing her forward earlier and regret manifests as grief in the physical body. Yeah, and I want our audience to know also sometimes at this moment to be an empowered woman might seem like a tall order. It feels like so far reached and I would invite everyone to just start with self-love. Sometimes we might not all have a purpose. I remember speaking to a friend, it's like, I don't know what I want to do and it's okay, maybe I just want to bum around. I'm like, yes, you, you do have the choice to do that as well. And just to not get overwhelmed with all this stuff that we also put on ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that's the other point. Comparison is a dangerous, downward, slippery slope, hideous drug. Stop doing it. So your friend who doesn't really know what her purpose is, I would just say that's fine as long as she's not there comparing herself to others and being like, what's that person doing? Wait a minute, should I be at that point in my life? Wait a minute, look at that career. Oh my God, LinkedIn. Oh my God, look at that person. Look where they've gotten. Maybe I should be there. Stop, stop, because that's not your journey. Like take the time to go and find out who you are and you won't care so much about those things anymore because you're on your own journey. And what you need to compare is yourself to yourself. Are you better than you were yesterday? Are you, you know, are you finding out who you are? Because so often I'll ask women, who are you? What do you love to do? And I don't care if it's knitting or finger painting or whatever. It can be anything, but tell me what it is. And so often women will look at me again and again, this happens, and they just start crying because they don't know. And they just don't know who they are because they've given out so much and they've lost themselves or they haven't found the time to find themselves. And there is much deep, deep embedded sadness around that. So I would say if you're a woman listening and you can relate to that, then it's never too late to start. I don't care how old you are. It is never too late to start. And what are the top three things that you wish you were told when you were younger? So I would say every part of your journey is important. We know that Steve Jobs says you can understand what happens to you when you look back and connect the dots. And he's absolutely right. So I think, um, 
everything's going to be okay. And anything that you go through, I think as you sort of go through experiences in life, the more things that happen to you, you've had enough experiences to look back and think, you know what, this must be happening for a reason because everything else has. Secondly, if you always act with integrity, what other people think of you is none of your business. Be yourself, be true to who you are. As long as you're a good person, then it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people expect of you. If you are living your authentic self, that is where you'll find true happiness. And lastly, love with an open, non-guarded heart. Wow. I think that's a really tough one, isn't it? It is. It really is. But, you know, I learned something from somebody that I met three years ago who really changed my life in many ways. And he said to me, if you love somebody, then you love them free right? It's not about conditions. It's not about loving that person if they're doing exactly what you want them to be doing. And it's about going through that fear and just thinking, you know what, 20 years from now, I only regret not opening my heart and really living and loving in a genuine way. What is the book that you have gifted the most or made the most impression on you? Yes. So that book is You're a Badass by Jen Cicero. Love that book. It's funny. It's really funny. She's fabulous. But she also just talks about really just finding out your finding out who you are and taking that forward to the world. So actually, there's a little thing I've written here. So it says, how to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life. What is the best lesson that your mom or your dad taught you? Well, this is what my mother would say to me. She just endlessly said to me, you can do anything. So I'd say to her, hey, mom, like, I think I'm going to go do this. And she'd just look at me like... You can do anything. Like I said to her, I'm going to go and pick that pen up off the floor over there. It was just like any dream I had was just as easy as that because I could do anything. And I think so often, you know, parents try and put their kids in the best school and then give them the best education and work hard for that, which is wonderful. And I am very, very blessed to have experienced that in my life as well. But it's that self-belief and self-love that makes a child go into the world just expecting to see the same and create the same. And you've talked a bit about your retreats. So can you tell us more about your retreats and what the audience should expect from it and what people usually walk away with? I guess with the women's events that I was doing, like the night events or the day events, I thought, you know what, if I can get these women, if I can just have them in my grasp for more than, you know, a night, then we can make magic happen. And so I also, my first retreat was around dance. So five years ago, I decided that that was something I needed to do for my soul because every time I would hear Latin dance music, I would come alive. I would absolutely come alive. So I thought to myself, yeah, I need to do this. So I started dancing and then some women would see my videos. And this is my point where women would come up to me and be like, I want to dance. Like it's like they wanted to bring their feminine selves forward through dance and just feel their bodies, feel their bodies and just release. And so at that point I thought to myself, well, I don't know if I basically took all of the frustrations that I'd faced over five years because when I want something, I go get it. So I took all of those frustrations that perhaps women would face and maybe step back from the goal. And I basically went out and organized a women's retreat where we flew to an island in the Philippines. I got this fabulous, almost palace-like place that was all ours. And every woman got her own dance instructor. And we had two hours of lesson a day across salsa and kizomba, two styles of dance, and three hours of social dance a night. So it was just a whole group of women and it actually sold out the first one. So we had 15 women, no more beds left. This doesn't exist anywhere in the world where you go to a place, you learn with an instructor. Usually you're in a class with guys that are kind of learning as well and with a lead instructor. And then we had social dancing at night and your only option was to dance with an instructor. And I think a lot of the women that were on that retreat who were new to dance, uh, they didn't realize how amazing that environment is until they'd left and they went out and danced in the real world and they were like, wait a minute, not everybody's an incredible dancer in this room. Like, so that was the crux of that, of that retreat. But other retreats that I've done around wellness, around self-love, self-care, because that's something I really want to bring forward to the women. And the foundation of those retreats 
always, whether it's dance or self-love or self-care, is we start, we always do meditation. So I really want to teach the world to meditate. And I think to myself, the women are here. So it'll be on the program and I hope they turn up. Um, so we meditate and we meditate together because sometimes meditating in a group, oh, actually it is always more powerful. The energy is powerful. We support each other just by being there in circle. Um, and then there's always fitness. So for me, fitness is incredibly important, both for my mental and also physical health. Uh, and so we always incorporate that into the retreat. There's always pampering. There's always time to relax, to read a book, to chill out or to connect with the women. And then there's always circle. We always come together and we talk. We talk about the challenges that perhaps the women are feeling around self-belief on the dance floor. We talk about that in terms of um, whether they're having challenges with self-love, how they practice self-love. And it's interesting because on the first retreat, the women really were very complimentary about the women's circle and how I ran the women's circle. And my feedback to them was I did more work in meditation because it's the women in the circle that make that circle powerful because yes, I keep the flow of conversation going. Yes, I bring in the topics, but it's the sharing that is so incredibly powerful because that circle doesn't end at the end of circle because the next day when it's free time, there'll be a woman sitting by the pool and one woman will have shared a story in circle that that woman can relate to and she'll walk up to her and the circle will continue with the two of them and they will support each other and work together and share and be vulnerable together. And sometimes when you find women, when women come on my retreats and they come solo, I love it because you you need to be no one and you can become anything. And from there you can be vulnerable and open because no one's expecting you to be anything or do anything. And so from that place, you can you can really set new goals and just create a new person. And my intention with these retreats is that every woman leaves my retreats looking through different eyes, a different perspective. Yeah, Louise, your energy and your passion is truly contagious. <laughs> so so in closing, yeah. what would you like to share with our audience on women empowerment or are there anything that I didn't cover or didn't touch on that you would like to share? Yeah, I would just say to any women listening out there, um, if you don't believe in yourself, please do stand back and look at the things that you're doing to look after yourself and acknowledge the fact that actually looking after yourself is important for both you but those around you and those in your life. Um, I would say if you are a woman listening in a place of privilege, if you have, whether that be if you're in an organization where you have an, a voice and the ability to bring about change or perhaps you're in a financially uh positive situation and you don't know what to do or you're looking for purpose, then use your voice, use your influence, use your circle to bring about good. I think I say this so often in my corporate events that you should never feel bad for being in a place of privilege, but you should use that place of privilege to do good things. And even if you don't feel like it's something you want to do, that's totally fine as well, but just try and see how that brings you to life. Um, and finally, I would say if you are listening and you don't know who you are, now is the time to find out who you are because your authentic, genuine self is waiting. It's waiting for you to find it. And all you need to do is stop, understand your incredible power, your unique ability, and the fact that the answer lies when you turn your mind off. So start to embrace silence. And where can our audience find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook uh, under Louise Corbett. Uh, you can also look under Women Empowered. Um, Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, if you are in the LinkedIn world, then find me on LinkedIn under Louise Corbett. Um, and if you want to email me, let's just share that as well. So it's louise at exceptionalexistence.com, louise at exceptionalexistence.com. Um, and you'll also find that there's a bit.ly link, oh, sorry, a link tree on my Instagram page, which is goddess of essential oils randomly. Um, and from there you will also, and also on my Facebook, you'll also find my link tree with all of my programs, platforms, next retreat, and all of the wonderful things that are happening there. Brilliant. And I'll put all of these in the show notes so the audience can just go to the website and find all your contact details. Well, Louise, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really fun and insightful conversation and I'm sure it's going to help a lot of women out there. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for giving me the platform to share my ideas and my voice. The show notes of this episode are on my website, www.interested.blog. And if you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend. <laughs>